While there are over 70 million deaf people worldwide, less than 2% of them know Jesus, even here in the U.S. This is really a unique area of the Great Commission. Many are unaware that deaf people, even though they grow up in Christian homes, can be so close to the gospel and yet so far from it. Door International's goal is that 50% of the world's 70 million deaf will have access to God's Word in their heart language and a deaf-led sustainable church planning movement amongst their own people group by the year 2025. My guest today is Rob Myers, CEO of Door International, the largest Christian ministry focusing on seeing deaf people reached with the gospel. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst at Sat7 USA. You are listening to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative approaches. So, Rob, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Dennis. It's great to have you on, and I know uh, that vision of your ministry is quite ambitious. To have a goal of uh, 50% of the world, 70 million deaf, will have access to the gospel in their heart language in just a few years. So tell us a little bit about that vision. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that that we often find when we're talking to people about uh, deaf communities and deaf ministry is that even just the concept of deaf ministry is is in many ways new to, uh, to viewers or listeners who uh, may not have encountered that idea before. And we'll often share a story like a story that we've encountered in um, in South Asia with a young man named Jacob. And uh, Jacob grew up in a Christian home. Um, surprisingly, given the uh, that Christianity is in the minority in the country where he's from. And Jacob, uh, Jacob was one of five children, uh, but Jacob is the only one who's deaf. And Jacob's father happens to be a pastor. So not only does Jacob's family go to church each Sunday, but Jacob's father leads that church. They have family devotions. Um, all of that takes place regularly in the home. But Jacob grew up for 25 years with no access to the gospel, even growing up in a Christian home. And part of the reason for that is that Jacob's parents never learned sign language. And that's very typical for parents of deaf kids. Um, even here in the U.S., a vast majority of parents of deaf children will never learn to sign with their deaf kids. Um, some of that has to do with access to uh, information about sign language. Some of it has to do with uh, recommendations that doctors make. There's a number of factors that play into that. Um, but you often will have kids growing up uh, with almost no language at all, and right. they won't get sign language until they end up in a um, in a deaf school later in life. So unlike unlike if they uh, if you had a blind child born at home. Blind child would hear language, be speaking language, um, all the way up till the point when they when they uh, when they reach school. But a deaf child is cut off from the language of their families, and so that's one of the reasons that we put deaf kids and deaf individuals in a totally different people group and language group because they use a totally different language. Those of us in the hearing world tend to think of deafness as a disability, but deaf people don't really regard them, their deafness as a disability or a handicap. I found that was interesting. The other thing uh, I found interesting that 90% of deaf are born, into, are born to hearing parents, yet 85% of those parents 
choose not to learn sign language or to sign with their deaf children. I found that's amazing. Maybe you could talk about some of those stereotypes and some of those realities. Yeah, that um, it depends on, it goes by from country to country. There are different reasons why parents don't learn um, sign language. One of the predominant ones that we often find, especially in international contexts, is that parents are told by their community that uh, their child is a curse or somehow a shame to them. And therefore, uh, those children are hidden and the parents don't look for alternate ways to communicate with their kids, particularly in sign language, because that would be uh, reinforcing that shame that would come on the family. Right. So many of those kids will grow up. Sometimes those in certain situations, those kids become adults and they've never gone to school. They never have opportunities to go to school. So we have um, situations in some countries where you'll have 3 million or more deaf people and maybe only 3% of those uh, in the deaf community have ever had access to sign language and education. So 97% of the people in those communities don't even have language that they use on a regular basis. Internationally, I can understand with the uh, shame, honor, culture, they see this or perceive this as uh, maybe a curse or a sin or, you know, resulting from that. But is that the same in the U.S. as well? Because we're a very different uh, cultural paradigm here of righteousness and guilt. Yeah, we, um, we've we seen some shift in this over recent years, but um, uh, it has been the case in past years that audiologists and other doctors who would meet with parents when their kids were are first diagnosed with deafness, they would tell parents, um, don't sign with your kids because if you sign with them, they won't try to learn English. And ironically, we don't do that with our hearing children. In fact, there's a there's been trends in recent years to try to teach baby signs to our kids because your gross motor skills, your your ability to use your hands, uh, develop much faster than your fine motor skills than your vocal cords. And so you're giving your child access to be able to respond to you much faster when you give them sign language than when you give them spoken language. And so the the predominant idea nowadays, and this is one of the things that's shifting, is that if you can give your child some sort of language, and in the case of deaf kids, that means helping them to grow up with sign language, then they're going to acquire a second language like English much faster. So the 70 million deaf in the world, uh, it's probably the largest unreached people group in the world. Has the American church not really realized the the need here? Or where's the American church in this this area of the Great Commission? Yeah, that's also a great question. It's really only been within the last 30 or 40 years that uh, deaf ministry has um, come into its own at all. And really only in the past three or four years that it's come on more on the radar screen of major denominations and ma major organizations. And I think one of the main reasons that, that that's the case is that there's an assumption underlying a lot of how we go about um, ministry to deaf people. One of the thing, one of the assumptions that I had before I even got involved in deaf ministry was that deaf people can see, therefore they should be able to read. And that turns out to while there are deaf, there are brilliant deaf people, brilliant deaf colleagues that I have who are fluent in English or fluent in the written language around them. Many, many deaf people globally struggle with reading. And part of the reason for that is if you think about 
if you're listening to this podcast and, and you can read well, if you think about what happens in your brain when you read, you're actually hearing language. And that language is connected to the language you grew up with. Mm -hmm. But for deaf people, if they don't grow up with that language, they've never been speaking it, and then they go to learn to read, those letters are not sounds that they're connecting with a language. It's just a code that they have to unscramble. And so for most deaf people, reading is a second language to them. Sign language is a first language. And so reading is not an effective approach to reaching deaf people in the community. And I think that's been a major shift that the church has had to realize over the last uh, many, many years that you can't just hand a deaf person a written Bible and expect them to have access to the gospel. Right, that's a good point. And uh, before we talk about your organization, you know, we talk about sign language. There's not a lot of standardization. There's multiple languages. Uh, it varies from country to country, region to region. Tell us a little bit about the sign language and where they are in st maybe standardizing it a little bit more for greater receptivity. Right. So there's, there isn't just one sign language and there probably never will be in the same way that there's no one written language or spoken language. Um, globally right now, there's about 375 sign languages around the world there. Um, some uh, you'll have situations where one country will have the same spoken language, but multiple sign languages. You'll also have two different countries with the same spoken language, different sign languages or the same sign language and different spoken languages. So in many cases, the sign language is not necessarily tied to the written or the spoken language. And when you look at something that we would maybe consider basic, like Bible translation or what what access do deaf people have to the Bible in their sign language? Right now, only about 20% of those sign languages have any translation work that's been started. So even one verse. So about 80% of the sign languages that are still out there globally are lacking any Bible translation access. You know, I worked in uh, Sub-Saharan West Africa, and uh, we were out there 20-some years, and we'd have pastors come out. And this one pastor and his wife that came, they had a child that was deaf. But as parents, they learned sign language. So in the context of Sub-Saharan West Africa, on the streets, at the street lights, you have a lot of beggars. So at the stoplight one day, uh, he signed with the beggar that was begging for money. And the beggar signed back to him. And, of course, the streetlight, you only have like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And it turned green, and you got traffic. But that beggar knew a compassionate person and where to find it. They came to the Protestant mission where we were, found us. And it opened up this whole world that was unknown to us. And uh, we connected. Of course, they were only there for like a week or so. But it was amazing. Here was this people group that was marginalized on their own, hidden in the city of millions of people. So I always look back, that happened you know, decades ago, but I always thought about that. So tell us a little bit about Door International. you got an ambitious goal, and um, how can podcast listeners, how can their churches uh, come alongside what you're doing? Yeah, so um, our goal is to, because so many deaf people are cut off from the gospel, our goal is to see more deaf people have access to Scripture and have access to a um, deaf-led church planting movement in their communities by the year 2025. We want to see 50% of deaf people within the next few years now. When we set that goal, that was uh, 
that was probably seven, eight years ago, and we're coming up now to uh, to 2025 pretty quickly. But um, we're significantly there on the way. I believe that we're at about 27, 28% of uh, moving toward that that uh, that 50% goal. I think uh, the biggest thing that um, the biggest thing that uh, churches can do and individuals can do who are listening to this is begin to spread the word and advocate about the need for deaf ministry because it's been hundreds, if not thousands, of years that the church has not realized that this was a significant need, and that's one of the reasons that these seventy million deaf people globally are still waiting for the gospel. Every single people group that we think of that we might have a passion for, that people group has deaf people in it. And all of the barriers to the gospel that exist for the people group in general are there for the deaf community added on with a number of other barriers that they face too. And so the more the church is aware, the more that the church realizes that this is a strong need for the gospel. In fact, sometimes we refer to this deaf communities as the final frontier or um, the the last place for the Great Commission. We don't want the last people group um, on earth to still be lacking the gospel to be a deaf community, but that so often that that turns out to be what happens. So if you're listening to this and this is the first time that you've heard about deaf people being unreached and you didn't realize how big a need this was, we would strongly encourage you to share this information with your church, spread this podcast help people become more aware. You can also go to our website, doorinternational.org and learn more information about what God's doing in deaf communities and how you can be a part of it. So that that is one really significant piece. I think a second piece, which all of us in Christian ministry would would agree is essential is is prayer for these communities. Um, These are spiritual strongholds that have existed within, within these unreached people groups for millennia. And those are only going to come down through prayer and through the work of of the Holy Spirit in in these communities. And so um, we would love to see people partner with us and with other deaf ministries around the world um, to be praying for uh, deaf communities that still lack the gospel. There's an opportunity to sign up on our website for uh, a prayer newsletter. Um, and you would get um, once a month uh, new prayer requests and ways that that uh, that you can be uh, praying and advocating for uh, deaf communities. And I think um, particularly the uh, a third way that people can come alongside is um, in terms of resource support. So it's just like you were mentioning with that beggar on the street, it's very normal for deaf people in many of these contexts to be unemployed or underemployed. So when we look at the deaf church context, many times uh, it's very hard for that church to become self-sustaining simply because of the economic status that many of the people um, in those communities have. So to have the global church come alongside the global deaf church and begin to not just offer financial support, but offer opportunities and places for deaf people to meet, to worship, or to be able to do other other things in those contexts is going to be a huge way that the body of Christ can uh, can come to come together around deaf communities. Does your organization come alongside some of these with like micro enterprise training, basic training, look at what assets they have locally that they can begin to use to become uh, a little self-sustaining rather than be marginalized so much? Yeah, we've explored um, a number of those possibilities and what works in communities obviously varies from uh, from country to country, but we would love to also work 
directly with some organizations that are doing microfinance or doing businesses mission um, in some of these contexts and maybe provide some training on how to be able to do that in a deaf context that's going to be successful so that all of us can be can uh, can be reaching more deaf people. I'm definitely going to talk to our ministry, Sat7, that's a broadcaster in the Middle East, and uh, to have signing on more of our programs for our millions and millions of viewers would be quite outstanding. So that's one thing I'm going to do after this podcast. Uh, You know, we talk about advocating in the church and in families. Uh, Where is public education in America in terms of this issue about deafness? In, in the U.S. particularly, it's been interesting to watch how things have developed over the last few years. Originally, um, deaf children uh, were immersed in a sign language environment, and that was uh, thought to that, that it was and still is thought to be the best way that they can acquire language. But as the government has started to close deaf schools um, and has tried to mainstream deaf children, What we often find is that uh, deaf kids end up in an educational environment, but without the resources that can support them, support their language needs and support their understanding. So we many times encounter deaf kids who are in hearing school, uh, public schools, but they don't have an interpreter. Um, They're trying to read lips in a context where um, even just a typical child is overwhelmed with the um, with the material that they're being presented with. And so. Um, we would love to, there have been some initiatives even, even recently, um, a few that have come out of California and several other states that have really tried to help deaf kids get a head start, get access to sign language, and then get access to sign language resources, um, in their schools and in their communities so that they can, um, have the same level of access, uh, that all other kids have in our system. And reading lips is only a fraction of the language, so you can't read lips and get the whole message. So that's interesting as well. So, Rob, this has been interesting. And give your website again, and you're on social media platforms. I encourage our listeners to uh, get informed because God can work through information and uh, start reading some of the amazing stories. And you have some amazing statistics and uh, some stereotypes uh, about deafness on your websites. I encourage people to get on that website, Door international.org and then from there go to their social media again rob this has been interesting and informative uh and i trust that uh podcast listeners will share this with their friends with their church uh even in their schools and really become an advocate for deaf children yeah thank you so much yeah we would love to see word get out and see more deaf people reach with the gospel thank you dennis In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.